Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. With me today is Lucinda Morrill. She's a very interesting person. She's an experiencer. And like me, she's been having experiences uh, since she was a child. And she's also a writer. And she has a lot of thoughts today. So please welcome with me, Lucinda. <laughs> Lucinda, how are you doing? I am doing well. I... I am a home working home by from home by myself. And so um, the thinking is off the charts. I'm just home alone with my thoughts, which is always so big and dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's exciting too sometimes because you're a mom and alone with your thoughts doesn't happen very often with moms, really. Right, you right. Know. And so they all have to come quickly because <laughs> like they're all trying to get yeah. in. <laughs> Yeah, it's like conjunction <laughs> junction in the old, you know, Saturday morning, you know, yes. learning cartoons. There's these trains and they're going fast and sometimes yes. they drop off a thought. Sometimes they go by so fast you can't catch them and there you go. Yeah, so I, I'm in the what's your function. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's a good place to be, though. You know, you have choices. Yeah. And uh, may your trains run slowly enough for you to catch them. That's that's. Oh, thank you. The best I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. All right. Thanks. So we've already recorded, um, and nobody's heard it because something went awry. Everybody hears this on my podcast. Something happened. I don't know what it was, but we don't know what it was. Um, but she was. Her recording turned out to be. She was here and not, and here and not, and here and not. So. I decided to record again. So this is this is a, a pleasant surprise for me that we get to record again. So Lucinda, you told me this great story. And it, it was like at the beginning because you were a child. So can can we re can you retell that one to me? Because it's a really good one and I know everybody's gonna like it. Yeah. So we were I think from listening to your podcast and listening to you and Morgana talk about your experiences. It was um, pinging me because I'm also curious about the generational experiencer subject, right? And how how the the weirdness the the gene of woo and how it is passed down <laughs> from generation to generation and how the different generations um, interact with it. Cause I think it also changes and evolves um, as it moves down lineages. So in my own exploration of kind of where I'm at um, and understanding my, my father had essentially almost the same experience as Whitley Strieber um, about three months after Whitley. So in 1986, um, he told me about the dream that was not a dream, like too real to be a dream. But he basically went on to tell me this whole encounter, in, including um, a rape, essentially, as Whitley. And this is coming from my father. And I'm like 12 when this is happening, but he and I are very close. And he was just oh. like, this this is what happened. You know, this is how it went down. Like, and it was so jarring for both of us 
um, I was the first person he told essentially because, you know, he was out in the front yard the next morning. Um, our bedrooms, my parents' bedroom is right next to my bedroom in the house that we grew up in with the two windows facing the front of the house. And he kind of said, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Saturday mornings, you would find Saturday mornings in the eighties, you would find my dad sitting in the front yard on a plastic lawn chair with a cup of coffee, the scratchy sheet from the horse races (laughs) and, um, a pack of Marlboro lights, right? pretty much almost everybody's dad in the eighties, yeah. but you know, and so, you know, cause he would work on the lawn or whatever. And so that, that morning I went outside to get some sun. It was spring and just starting to warm up. And he asked me because our bedrooms were right next to us. I was like, you know, Hey, last night, did you see that bright light in front of, in the front of the house? And I'm like, no. And he was like, you didn't see the light that was in front of the house. Like he was just so, um, well, now I think he was in shock, right? At the time, it was just like, what's wrong, yeah. kind of, what's wrong oh, with yeah. this guy, right? Um, but he had explained, you know, I had a dream, but it didn't feel like a dream. It was so real. And there was a light and I went outside and it was a ship. And so he goes on to explain it's a, a ship, like a craft. I'm, I'm thinking pirate ship when he said ship. This is, this is how far from my <laughs> reference this thing is, right? Um, Oh, that's and, amazing. Because <laughs> he said there was a ship. Did you? I was, and he's had a dream. And I'm so, you know, in my head, I'm thinking Peter Pan, you, you know, I'm thinking a pirate ship. Yes. That was the imagery. And he was mm-hmm. like, no, no, like a UFO, like a flying saucer. And I was like, oh, that? Like, you know. And he said he was on the craft and that there were different panels. Um, and he mm-hmm. said, I remember he said around each panel, there was Egyptian writing, like hieroglyphics, but he said Egyptian writing. Neat. And then he said each panel was like a moment in, in Earth's time. So he saw something that looked kind of like, um, like dinosaur kind of, you know, uh, just um, right. something that looked more futuristic something he said he saw which is pretty funny he saw a boxer from the 1930s um or yeah or the 40s i think like in downtown la like at the, the, it's called the jim jeffries building but anyway um just some weird things and then he goes and then i saw them and i'm like who and all he could say was um me how they talk to you with their eyes like they don't and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, they have these big eyes. No, he said, they talk to you with their mind, with your mind. And they, he said, they have these big eyes. And I was like, ugh, like, you know, draw it for me, right? And he yeah, got his little scratchy sheet, right? And on the little margin, started to draw what I thought was a guitar pick, right? You know, because the little triangle face yeah. of, the, of the gray. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I thought it was like a guitar pick kind of thing. And then showed me the eyes and just like, ew. And it was, uh, I think, a year later that I'm, you know, again, 80s. I'm a latchkey kid. Like, I got myself up to school, locked the door, walked to school in the morning, got dressed, you know, all by myself. And then walk home from school. I come in, um, turn on the TV, as all kids do. You throw your backpack down, you turn on the TV, and then you, like, go get a snack, right? 
uh, and then walk back yep. into yep. walk back into the room, and Oprah was on. Oprah used to be on at like three o'clock, right? Um, yep, I remember in middle of Oprah, and all I saw was the cover of Communion, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like that, I was just like, by the time my dad got home. Yeah. I was like, don't, don't put anything down. Let's go to Romans. That was this, the, you know, the, it's still there. This really nice bookstore in Pasadena, right? I was like, well, we got to go to Romans. There's this book and the guy, and he saw, he saw the thing and he knows, he knows about the thing and your dream. And well, and my, like, my dad was like, oh, what, what, what? And I, as I was explaining it to yeah, him. Yeah, you're you, talking so fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, I'm doing the kid ramble, right? La, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. But in the ramble, he's under, he's starting to process like, what? And so he was just like, no, let me get home. You know, it turned into that thing. And then the, the next thing I know, the book mm -hmm. was in the house. So he, he heard it. He just didn't want me there. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was one of those situations. Um, so that's kind of where that started much, much later in life is where I started to kind of see my own points in it and, and my own experiences and understand what that was, which got me going back again to lineages. And so this, this is the story I told you that, uh, that we didn't record. I had to talk to my, mm -hmm. I talked to my dad about that experience and realized, you know, my dad's the oldest of eight. And they, he was born in, um, in Phoenix. So the family's from Phoenix and then moved mm -hmm. to Los Angeles in the early, early days of Los Angeles, like, um, early forties. So downtown LA is still kind of growing and it's still very kind of suburban. Um, but when they, right. when they first moved to Los Angeles, they lived in, um, the San Fernando Valley. And in the San Fernando Valley, which is adjacent to Los Angeles, you know, county, I guess, um, there used to be a lot of walnut groves. So it was still kind of uh, agriculture area there. And my aunt, who is my father's sister, has always been very, very psychic. And she used to talk. Mm -hmm. So of course I come from this family of, you know, my father's and his eight siblings, you know, there's eight of them and they lived in a haunted house. Aunt is totally psychic. So growing up hearing stories about the haunted house they lived in, the ghosts, this, that, like it was very um, open. Like it just is, <laughs> you know, like that. Mm -hmm that the phenomenon yeah. just is, and it, it's not something that was ever shamed or, or hidden or anything like that. And so my aunt had a story about the fairies and, and seeing fairies as a child. She would, as I'm getting older, like from my perspective, as a little girl, my aunt always painted and she would paint really beautiful fairies and pixies and things like she could just like 
nature scenes, elements and things like this. Um, and was also, you know, a writer and, and just all around creative person. And she later as an adult, I'm like, oh, I think she's painting this because she's had an experience, right? Like you don't make those connections as you're growing up. Uh huh. You, you, you know, you're just a yeah. kid and you realize you have this creative. And then when you're adult, you're just like, oh my God, I was surrounded by creative people. <laughs> um, so mm -hmm. she, she says that when she was young about, she must've been, I'm going to say somewhere around five that she used to go with, um, her father, which is my grandfather to work in the walnut groves in Van Nuys. So my grandfather had a job out there. I'm not sure what he was doing, but he would bring his little girl with him. Cause you know, daddy, daddy, she was like a total daddy's girl. She wanted to be with him all the time. And so he would be working and she would just be out in the walnut groves. And there was one tree that had died. And so it was just like a flat stump, you know, almost like a stump that you would, you could sit on mm -hmm. or something. And there were flowers growing all around it. And I don't know if somebody planted a garden there or what, you know, and you know, this is her little girl mind. So she doesn't know. She just knows there's a lot of flowers planted around this stump and she used to play in the stump a lot. And she said that there was always fairies at the stump or around the stump. And so when she would get there, she would run to this little place, you know, to the stump where she used to like to play. And the fairies would like dart and hide behind the other trees. And being a little girl, like mm -hmm. with her like hands on her hips, she would say, I see you, you know, <laughs> like come out of there. Right. She's just a, <laughs> she's a little kid. It's just kind of like, what are you doing there? And these are little tiny beings, like little humanoid pixie winged beings. Um, and she would play with them all the time and they would have like a fun little hide and seek banter from what I'm, what I'm um, putting together of this. And that they would give her caramels. And I was like, that, that was a part of the story. I was like, what do you, what? And she was like, they would give me caramels. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes like, sometimes they would, they would, I would see them like they would leave them on the stump for me, little candies. And one day she has a caramel and she has, she's eating it. And she walks over as little kids do, they're wandering, right? A mouthful of caramel. And she sees her father. And my, you know, my grandfather says to her, in Spanish, you know, que tienes en tu boca? Like, what do you have in your mouth? Like, what are you eating? You know, <laughs> like any parent would to a toddler or young <laughs> child. Like, what, what, the what did you find? Yes. <laughs> what did you find that you have now put in your mouth? Um, and she would, you know, chew in this mouthful of caramel, you know, candy. And, and she said, the fairies, <laughs> the fairies gave me the candy. Now, you know, caramels are easy to get now, but in those days of the early forties, um, you know, like, especially poor families, you weren't going to have candy accessible to you. Right. And yeah. so I, I can only imagine what my poor grandfather is thinking, like somebody's trying to lure my child or somebody's trying to poison my child or like, what the, who, 
who's giving my kid candy, right? Because what does that mean? Yeah. Like candy was a big treat, you know? Yeah. So he was just like, don't eat that. Don't eat that. And he would say, he told her like, don't eat what they give you, which can be taken a couple of ways, right? Because he, yeah, he also kind of retained a lot of our um, indigenous, like lore, and he had a lot of um, how, how do I say? There was still like a lot of mannerisms that my grandfather carried over from from our you know our indigenous roots. Um, specifically certain planting techniques and talking about how to plant and the seeds and, and, you know, like my love of gardening and my father's comes from my grandfather. Right. Um, but the way he, I don't know, right. now I start to think, and the more time I have spent with native American, uh, cultures and representatives and, and healing and working in those communities, I'm just like, Oh, I wonder if he knew something, you know, <laughs> don't, don't eat what they give you, which is, which I think is really telling. Um, so that was her fairy story. And to this day, she'll say, no, absolutely. It was a fairy. And she and I have talked about this and I'm trying to, and Barbara, I think this is how it might've been the, one of the first things I asked you, right. Of like, she says that there was a certain book that came out in the seventies, um, about fairies that has the exact picture of the fairy she saw as a little girl. And that's why I was at, was it the Brian Froud book? No, those are the ones I think it probably was probably those. That's the closest to the thing that I saw to the, the little, the entity that, right. that I saw myself. Um, so earlier than that, there was a book that came out in 1950 mm -hmm. that's called the big golden book of elves and fairies and Jane. Hold on. Let me get her name in my head. I'm going to write this down. Um, <laughs> big golden book elves and fairies. Okay. There we go. I think it's Jane Warner Watson. Um, but I'm going to make sure there's the, there's the cover. Okay. Make bigger, make bigger. Stop being evil. Yeah. It's Jane Werner, W E R N E R Watson. Okay. She was the editor and it was illustrated by Garth Williams. Okay. And this book was probably somewhat expensive in 1950 because it's full color. Mm. And it's a it's an oversized book. Um, and there have been reprints, but the colors aren't as good as some of the originals. Um, that is a book that my, my dad and my dad's sister, Judy had as children that was given to them by, um, one of their aunts and my aunt Judy also saw fairies mm -hmm. and heard angels and all kinds of things. Um, but those illustrations are probably from that time period, extremely evocative for people. Um, mm. there are earlier illustrations by Arthur Rackham that could also be involved. He did illustrations for 
the uh, J.M. Barry books about Peter Pan and Wendy. Oh, so yeah. that's yeah, that's another possibility. Uh, oh yeah, so, looking at this cover. You know, if she went to a library, yeah. Look, I just, yeah, I that's just found it on my. It's on Amazon um, for style. Amazon for two hundred and thirty-seven dollars. Give me a break, people. Yep, that's one of the older yeah. ones. You can get you can get reprints, and you can get some of the older ones in less good condition for for less than that. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, so that's that's my aunt's story. Now here's the that's a possibility. Here's, here's the weird thing about that story. Fast forward <laughs> decades to my aunt's experience. Um, and knowing that story, I am at contact in the desert, which ironically is about to happen. This it's actually starts today. Um, I was at contact in the desert. Yeah. I was going to say it's yeah, this week, yeah. isn't it? Um, I was there 2017. I believe it was 2017 or 2018. One of those. Um, and I contact in the desert is always like this time of year, like May, June. And that August, mm -hmm. I was planning on attending an event in like the Washington, um, Washington state, right on the border of Oregon. Um, there's a property mm -hmm. that is very known to have a lot of high strangeness, a lot of Bigfoot activity. Uh, and a lot of fairy activity and the, like the, you know, the, the rule going in is, you know, if anything goes missing, it's probably the fairies, just ask them nicely and they'll give it back to you, hopefully. Um, and that's kind of the thing. So I'm a, I'm mm -hmm. about to go to this property uh, in a couple of months and had told the, the owner of the property was there at the conference. And I said, oh yeah, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be at your place in a couple of months. And I'm like, okay, you know, so I finished talking to him and there's a chair and I'm doing the thing that happens at conferences where you have your bag and all your conference stuff and your schedule. And so now I got to organize everything. So I'm not far from the owner and I'm kind of putting, all, I'm right. muddling through my stuff in my backpack and these like two, two or three other women, um, go up to this person and they say, Oh, you know, we're going to go next month to your property and we really want to have an encounter with fairies and so we're bringing crystals and we're bringing um what did they say like crystals and little mirrors and toys to try to have like a fairy encounter um do you have any recommendations mm -hmm. and he says he says uh, yeah you know you you can bring all that but you know what they really like is caramels <laughs> i was like <laughs> i stopped and I, yeah and i was like I just froze and I was like, no way. Like that was the only other time granted. I never really did any kind of fairy that, research, but that resonated. That that kind of just popped right out. You know, the, the thing about the, the little people, the good folk is one of the traditional gifts that were, were offered in Ireland and Scotland was butter. And you could, you know, sweeten it a little bit with honey 
or so that's what is that caramel is nothing but butter yeah. and sugar because you melt the sugar and you brown it and then you stir in butter mm -hmm. and cream cream is another one that that you pour out for the, the little people so yeah yeah that, that that's it resonates completely. I carry around Werther's. That's me my too. bribe. Because it's, again, butter <laughs> yeah, and me sugar. Too. <laughs> so that's my bribe that I carry with me in case something something untoward might that's happen. That's so funny. Like I have, if I'm going to go, yeah, but they if, also if like I'm going somewhere naturey or foresty or something like that, I'm going to have the Werther's. The, the, the soft ones. I don't get the hard candy. I think they just want the soft ones because... Cause we have, we have to give them that. And, um, like I'll have, I'll have that yeah. and tobacco and sweet grass. <laughs> those are my, those are my go-tos. Yep. yep. For the, for the offerings. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So that, that was my aunt's experience. Um, what I saw in um, South Dakota on the, on the Pine Ridge reservation. Um, I don't know. Did I tell you that last time that about that experience on the reservation? Yeah, I think you did. Go we ahead were, and go ahead and tell it. I'm pretty sure you remember. did. But. Um, a small group of us conference goers and speakers, um, were invited to the Pine Ridge reservation in South Dakota, um, they wanted to speak to some experiencers, uh, to kind of swap stories on like the star people and star knowledge and like, what have you learned and what have you learned? Right. And so, um, Whitley, Whitley Strieber was, right. was in that group and he would that he writes about that in, in, um, a new world, his book, a new world. He writes yeah, he, he writes world. about that experience. He was having some weird time slip stuff. Um, Terry Lovelace was there, Yvonne Smith, uh, a bunch of mostly from Yvonne's Ciro group. Yvonne was one of the speakers, and so that's kind of how we got the invitation. So maybe about 20 people, 20 or 30 people, speakers and conference grows, in, like in the same house, essentially in a, in a big house, on this beautiful property on the Pine Ridge Reservation. And we were going to be invited to a Sundance ceremony. So in the, um, for the Lakota to invite outsiders to a Sundance is um, very, very, it's a high honor. And you also have the added burden of like, do not mess things up. There are a ton of protocols yeah. and things you do and things you don't do. And, and so we were just, we were going to try to be as invisible as possible and not, <laughs> not call attention to ourselves. Right. And just be there as, as guests and try to participate as, as best we could. So the first thing that had to happen was there, um, you know, I, well, I should say, we got to the house, which is this beautiful two-story house that like the back of the house, the front of the house is the road. So from the road, you get to the front of the house and on the back of the house, you see like the split, like the two, the two stories. And it 
overlooks backing into this big canyon forest, right? It's all you see are just trees and, and some of it is flattened out mm-hmm. um, for the the Anipi. Like there's a the sweat lodge there and the, you know, there's teepees there in the back and sitting areas. But most of it is pretty dense forest. And you know, you can't really tell what's back there. So I immediately um put my bags down and I run out to go to go stand on this back balcony that overlooks this foresty area. And you can see it clears like on the, you know, on the left, you'll see like this open field, right? And you that's as you're looking down into a canyon, there's the kind of this open field that's flat and that's where the the teepees are and um, kind of a bench area garden, things like that. And then just to your right, there's just um, what appears to be a, a fencing of thick trees, like trees, like forest that has not been cleared. Um, and there's some sort of clearing behind it, but I can't see what it is from there, from that balcony. And I haven't walked down there yet. So I'm taking a moment and I can see that they have on the property, there's a horse, you know, horses in a, in a corral kind of, there's a pen over there. Okay. Looking around. And immediately I hear behind very close and <laughs> behind this little tree line, um, a deep hoot. And it was like, ooh, and like really, really deep. And funny, the first thing that thought that I popped in my head was like a moose because of the size, you know, because like, oh, that's something. But then I thought, no, no, because a moose makes that mm-hmm. weird whistly, like the caribou, like they just make the, it doesn't sound like a deep. Um, right. And I, and I thought to my head, do it again. And it did it again. And it just went, whoo, whoo, like this deep. And I thought, all I could think of was like, wow, this is something with a really, like they must have a bull in the pen on the other, there must be a pen on the other side of the Mm. trees. And that's a, that's a bull or like a buffalo or something, you know, they maybe, you know, it's Pine Ridge, maybe there's bison. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't think anything of it. Then they call everyone down. Okay, we're going to gather, blah, blah, blah. I go downstairs. And and I ask by, you know, by this time I have met a couple of the locals that are working on the property. Um, and I go, hey, what do, what do you guys have in the back there? Do you have like a, you have bull or buffalo or something? And the, and they, they kind of laugh and they do the, they crack the joke of like, oh, what you think that all the Lakota have like a buffalo in their backyard or whatever, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and I go, no, like, no, I, I heard, I heard the big animal you have in the back. And they're like, the, we, there's the horses are there. And I was like, no, no, not where the horses are behind the trees in the wood line. And then like one of them looks at the other one and they share a look and they go, there's nothing there. And then they just kind of, they shut me down <laughs> and I'm like, huh. And so so now we, you know, we go through a little bit of conference protocols. Here's what we're going to do lecture. And then now it's so Friday night, we are going to do, um, um, an Anipi ceremony, which is the sweat lodge, right? So for those who don't know, 
Um, you're in the sweat lodge. The way it works is outside you have your two fire keepers, which were the two guys that I had talked to earlier. Um, and <laughs> it was, I think I can, I think I can name them cause they're, they were buddies for a while, although they're off doing their thing. Um, but it was the Carlos and James. Okay. So Carlos and James are the fire keepers and they're keeping the fire. Your sweat lodge is right next to it. And then behind it, it starts the forest. Okay. So it's, we're right on the kind of the edge of this big tree line forest. And the way in an EP ceremony works is that you're in there for four rounds. We're going to do four rounds. Um, they're going to put the hot coals in your, it's basically, you know, you're in a, a sweat. Um, Inipi is really the word because it's more of a sacrament, if you will. Uh, it's a sacred thing. In When you are in the Inipi, you are in the womb of creation. So you're in a very safe and sacred place. Um, and it's wonderful in there, even though it's really freaking hot and it's just going to get hotter because it's four rounds. And I've never done this before. And so all I'm thinking in my head is, Lucinda, do not embarrass yourself. Don't pass out. Don't throw up. Like, just hang in there. Like, make it work, right? When you go in, you go in clockwise. Um, and the women go first, and then the men. So if you picture a clock, um, let's say the door is at six. So the women have to go in to seven and you're going to move all the way to five or six. Right. <laughs> and then your, the, your facilitators are going to mm -hmm. be right at six because they're at the door and they're, dr you're drumming and doing all their good stuff. Outside are your two fire keepers. We got Carlos and James and they're feeding the fire in between the rounds. So they're, they're bringing in the hot coals and then they're going to pour water and, and good stuff inside. And so here we go. So round one, I'm just happy that I made it through round one. Round two, um, something happens where I'm sitting like crisscross applesauce, as the kiddos say, and something moves across my, the front of my legs from the side, kind of my left side of my leg. And it passes towards the front of my left leg, front of my right leg and moves to my right. And whatever it was, I'm thinking, oh, there, there might be like a critter in here, right? Like, okay. So clearly there is some sort of critter in here with me. Um, don't freak out. Just stay still, stay in the moment. Something passes from my left to my right. But the weird thing is, is that it passes my full leg. So it's got to be tall. So it has to be at least like six mm -hmm. or seven inches long because like my legs are folded, but we're kind of scrunched up in that, in that sweat, right? Like in the Anipi. So like, you know, I'm, I'm hunched and then, you know, to my right is, um, is Stephanie. And so that was round two. And then now round three, and it's getting hotter. <laughs> and I'm like, whoo, okay. So I do the thing 
that I'm sure most people would probably do. I, I am assuming most people would do this where I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to tap out for a little while and just leave my body. Cause this is, this is getting a little too intense and I'm not, um, mm-hmm. you know how, when you're in some, I was, you're in this like sacred space and you're trying to have a sacred experience but there's this discomfort and there's this like, am I doing it right? Am I, I'm trying to have my own experience, but they're singing and talking and I'm trying to listen to you, but I really don't want to listen to you, but I don't want to be rude. All this stuff is in my head. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm just going to leave my body and, 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 and peace out for a little while. So I do this kind of astral projection thing and I move up. And all of a sudden, like I feel my astral body move up and out of the Anipi. Um, and there's this huge body of energy, um, huge, nine feet tall, like two, three feet wide. And it's a being, uh, and it's pacing along the, along right outside the Anipi behind the women, only behind the women. So think six, 12 to six, 12 to six, 12, like 12 to five or four, actually just behind the women. And I'm like, what is Mm -hmm. that? And I'm looking at it and it was invisible, but I can't even say invisible. It was clear. That's the best way to describe it. Like when you're looking at a real, a really beautiful crystal clear stream of water, like it was this clean energy of this, like, what is that? Like what, what is alive and conscious, but that is this pure and beautiful, you know, it was just this really, um, I think when I, if I say divine, people think like that white light and it wasn't that it was just clear, like a clarity I can't describe. And I was like, wow, like, what is that? And I was like, well, but, but it is something. So I should probably get my body. I should probably get, get back into my body because I don't want to pop out too much from this (laughs) NEP because what if, what if I can't get back in? Right. So I moved. I moved back into my body yeah. and that was round. So that's the end of round three. So now end of round three and the, the doors open cause the fire keepers are going to bring in hotter coals. And so they do that, but then Carlos jumps in for the last round and we're like, Oh, okay. Everybody scoot over. Carlos is coming in. And I, it's like the thought was like, Oh, he wants to, like join us for the prayers for the last rounds, like a firekeeper wants, you know, it's like, it's like he's coming into church for the, the end of church. Okay, sure. He's joining us. Yeah. And the, and mm-hmm. the thing closes and, um, we, we, you know, finish that last round and when it's over, of course, I'm sitting at like, you know, four or five o'clock. Cause I was one of the first in, so I get to be one of the first out. And all I'm thinking of was that, uh, you know, afterward is like, great Lucinda, you did it. That was pretty awesome. 
Um, but don't forget that there is only one shower up there and there's like 30 people and I'm gonna make a beeline for that shower. I am not waiting, uh, to be all sweaty from a sweat lodge, you know? (laughs) So I get out. That was great. Love you guys. Peace out. I, I run up to the house and I'm like the first in the shower. So now that I'm the first out of the shower, everybody's in doing all their stuff. And so I'm now out of the shower and I go back to that balcony where I heard that sound. So this is like a second floor balcony that just overlooks the forest and it's beautiful. And I just like to sit out there and it's, you know, um, summer. So it's, it's hot and it's lovely out there. So I go out there and Carlos, who is the firekeeper who joined us in that last round, Carlos is sitting there. You know, like I walk out to this balcony and I'm standing there and I'm like, oh, sorry. Like I turn to my, you know, I turn to my right and I see that like Carlos is sitting there and I was like, oh, hi, Carlos. You know, are you, you know, are you okay if I'm out here? And he's like, and he's like, yeah, you know, does does that kind of thing. And uh, (laughs) he says, you know, you are we allowed to cuss on this podcast? I'll say a little bit. Yeah, you're fine. uh, I'll try to be conscious. He goes, he goes, don't worry too much. You all, you guys all come out here and you bring all your, you know, you bring all your crap with you. And I go, what do you mean? And mm-hmm. he's like, I, I don't, I don't like being here with you guys. <laughs> like, and I was like, what? And I was like, Ooh, do tell. Right. You know, cause this is, this is every day for us. Right. I was like, <laughs> so what happened? So according to Carlos, He said that, he said, I should have known something was up. Um, Something was wrong because when they, so when the firekeepers start, they prepare the anipi, right? So you have to start getting the hot coals into the sweat lodge and stuff to start warming the thing up. And when you do that, what happens is that like whatever mice are in there, because it is the forest, you know, you're outside in the forest. So whatever, whatever critters are in there, they run out the front door. And what they do is they come out the front door. That's like at six o'clock. Right. And then they turn and they move back toward the forest. Right. And so he said, what Mm -hmm. happened was mice came out of the the sweat lodge. They came out of the Anipi and they ran towards the fire, which they don't was not natural. Like, in other words, yeah, that is weird. They wouldn't go back to the forest. They ran to the fire. And he's like, that is, that is very wrong. Like already, like, you know, he's already, you know, freaking out. Mm -hmm. He said that during round two, there was a huge UFO over us. Just right. Just hovering over the sweat. And then he said in round three, he said there was a Bigfoot right behind you guys on this, right behind you in the tree line. And I was like, was it pacing? I was like, was that a Bigfoot? I was like, was that a Bigfoot? Come on, tell me. And uh, it, he goes, it scared the crap out of me. And he goes, it scared me so bad that I jumped into the scene with you guys. <laughs> so, so while we're That's all amazing. thinking, so while we're all thinking like, oh, Carlos is going to pray with us. He's just like, oh, no, I'm terrified. There's a well, yeah, he is. outside. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm jumping in with you guys. We're all going to go down together, whatever. 
or he's going to throw us at the Bigfoot. You take these people first. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that, so that was pretty interesting. The second thing that I noticed was, um, right after I talked to Stephanie and I'm talking to Stephanie and Stephanie says, um, something walked by me or something moved past me. Now, remember she was to my right. And then mm-hmm. I said, something moves past me, past me too. And she goes, did you feel it? You know, we're doing this thing. She was like, did you feel that thing? And I said, yeah, what was that? And, and then we both went like at the same time we did like the hand measurement, like it was this tall, like we, we both did this, you know, and it was like the same height, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, it walked past me and it walked toward it it moved towards you. Like it felt like a scurrying of a, of a creature. I don't know, kind of soft, something just moved past it. She, and she was like, what was that? And I, I'm like, I, I got no idea. So that was interesting to have Stephanie feel that thing too. And keep in mind, it's very hot in those sweats. So like there should not be any other living creature other than a human being and you know, whatever spirits are coming in to, to talk to, to the people yeah. in that. Um, so that was really weird, but that whole, that whole NEP is the purification that allows you to attend the Sundance. So the next day we attend the Sundance and the way the schedule is written is that we are going to go to the Sundance and then we're going to do a, a CE five out in the black Hills which is already like just one of those is more than enough <laughs> for like a week. <laughs> yeah. For one day. Yeah. 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 But we're going to do them two. you know, we're going to do both in a day. So we get to the Sundance and keep, keep in mind, it's like a morning of, of protocols and thank God that we had locals and elders come in and they sat us down and they said, okay, um, here's what's going to happen. Here's what you can expect. Here's what we expect of you. It's first of all, absolutely no cell phones, no tech. Don't, don't bring any tech. Um, don't bring any shiny jewelry. It distracts the spirits, you know, you know, be reverent. This is a, this is a, a prayer. Um, and they go on to describe like every aspect of this ceremony has a significance and like the Buffalo significance is, is huge. And so anyway, we were well prepared, albeit very nervous. We got there. Whitley immediately goes in there and just starts doing the dance. Like he's in there, like he's around the arbor supporting the dancers and everybody's in the middle of this prayer. Um, Terry got in their tea. Like I'm, I was kind of like looking around and, and watching, and then we get in there and start dancing. And all of a sudden someone says, look at that. What is that? And there's a huge silver sphere. That's about God, three, 400 feet above the Sundance. And Sundances happen on the summer equinox, right? Um, or summer solstice. Summer solstice is what I want to say. Yeah. 
Um, and so I'm looking at this silver metallic looking ball that is not moving and it's in the air. And all of us are just looking at this craft that's just watching the Sundance. And it's, it looks very similar to what we're seeing now in the UFO, like that Mosul. If you look at the, the Mosul craft, which looks like a big silver ball, that's just moving. But this was completely stationary. In fact, like I stopped mm -hmm. to kind of get my bearings and I looked around and I could see off in the distance, there were some trees, you know, some taller trees and I was watching the trees. And then I would watch when the breeze would move the tops of the trees. So like, okay, the trees are moving. That means there's, there's a wind here and it's about equidistant and here's the craft and the craft would not move. And it stayed there for at least, I'd say a good, a good 30, at least 30 minutes. And everybody's there. Like the people see it, we see it. Like I, I just, I, I had to laugh cause I thought this is probably one, this is a hugely significant mass sighting, you know, that no one's ever going to know about. <laughs> Here mm -hmm. is a, th this, yeah. this would be like the mass sighting of all mass sightings and no one's going to know about it. And this freaking craft knows that this craft knows that nobody has a cell phone here because it's totally not allowed. Cause you yeah. know, the locals won't yep. just, you know, if you have a phone and you're taking pictures, they're not just going to say, uh, sir, we're going to ask you to leave that phone in your car. They're going to take you and your phone and they're going to drive you off the res and they're just going to dump you there <laughs> and you're not coming back in. Right. So, yep. To say they take it seriously yep. is not an, is not an understatement. Um, then the last part of the Sundance, it's the last day. Um, it's the last part of the Sundance, uh, which a significant thing happens. It's kind of like the culmination of the four day Sundance. These Sundancers have been dancing, um, for four days and four nights without food, you know, maybe minimal water, if any water, I didn't even think they were sipping anything, but, um, and it culminates with the day. So the final piece of this ceremony is about to happen. And we're told it's time to go. And like a bunch of us, I'll say about a handful of us are in it. Like we have been dancing this ceremony, like we're almost in this prayer trance with the group, you know, and to be pulled out of that, like just felt very, um, wrong for us. So I asked James who was, you know, the firekeeper James, who was also our driver. And I was like a couple, a few of us want to just stay. And, and he was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll drive you back after. So we kind of told the gang, you know, we may skip this CE five in the black Hills, um, or we'll try to meet you later, but a, a few of us are, are going to stay. Um, Whitley, I forgot to mention this. Whitley had sprained his ankle um, right as we arrived, like right before arriving to this conference. So he he wasn't staying at the house with us 
because of the stairs, he was staying at a, at the local little motel. Um, and at that Sundance, he was cured. Like his ankle, like just fixed. And he like hmm. packed his stuff and came to the house. Cause he was like, I'm, I'm fine. Like, you know, um, so it was really like miraculous things happen at these ceremonies. So we needed to stay. It was important to us that we finish it and we were just called to stay. So what ends up happening, we stay for the end of the ceremony. We drive back to the house. We, you know, drive everybody home. We, you know, take care of some things. And next thing I know, it's me and the driver and we get back to the house and everyone's in the parking lot to leave to the Black Hills. And I tell the, the driver, um, I have to run in really quick because for the Sundance, um, women don't wear pants, right? You have to wear a skirt. And I'm like, I've got this skirt on. And if I go to the Black Hills right now, the mosquitoes mm -hmm. are going to eat me alive. I cannot go to this. I got to throw on my jeans. Like you got to let me throw on like my jeans and the, like, I need to get mosquito ready essentially. Um, and so he says, yeah, yeah, you know, go ahead. I run in the house, I change, I come back out and like the last car is leaving the property and I go, can you catch up with them? And he goes, yeah, no, um, we're going to meet at the gas station. You know, they said it was okay. We're going to meet at the gas station. We get to the gas station and nobody's there and they have left us. So it's me and James and it's just us. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, okay. And James goes, well, I don't know where they're going, but I'll, I'll take you where, where we do our ceremony, like where the locals go. And I'm like, can, can you, can we do that? And he goes, yeah, come on. I'll show you something really cool. And he takes me out to this place. Ugh. Listen, I could have been left out there. I never would have found my way home. Um, we were in this area of the black Hills that has like this natural, <laughs> Like it's a natural, like rock altar. And it was stunning. I'm going to, Barbara, I'll send you pictures. I have a couple of really cool pictures. Like it's this, it's like a okay. rock altar. The formation forms like a flat altar. And so that's where we make our offerings and stuff. And then you're overlooking like the Black Hills and what they, you know, these are like the grandfathers, right? And it's cool because like if you're looking at the rocks, they they look like the faces of old men. Mm -hmm. Like they look like um like humanoid faces, you know, it's just really, really beautiful, really cool. And he says, Okay, mm -hmm. he kind of like by this time, James and I are friends because on that reservation to get anywhere is at least an hour. Like everything is far in South Dakota. Everything is a long drive. Right. And so you're just sitting in the car talking to people. So yeah, by now we're becoming buddies and he goes, okay, I know a little bit about your story. Right. And, and so he goes, okay, so repeat after me. Right. And so we do this prayer at this altar in front of these old grandfathers and it's in Lakota. And he says, say, Da, 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 da. And I say, da, 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 and say this and say this. And I repeat the prayer. And then, you know, we take our, we split and we do our own little private quiet time and 
meditations and stuff like that. And then we get back in the car and now we're leaving. And on the drive, I say, so what was that prayer? You know, I ask him, what, what was that prayer? So this is, was it like a, a gratitude prayer and thank you? Cause that's basically all the prayers I've been hearing since I've gone to the reservation is just, you know, grateful for the land and the water and the elements and da, da, da. I said, so what was that like a gratitude prayer? And he goes, um, oh no, you said, you just asked them to show themselves to you. And I said, ha ha ha. Oh, like, you know, I said, mm-hmm. you, you know, this is Lakota, Lakota prankster, Lakota jokes. And I was like, no, but really what it, and he goes, no, I'm serious. You basically invited them to now show themselves to you. Um, because you said that when you were little, they scared you and that, so you told them not to show themselves. So you just basically like reversed that. And I was like, are you serious? Because like, I'm, I'm a high strangeness magnet. That's very, that's, that means a little bit, I think that means a little bit more for me than it does for most people. Like, all right, like now I'm having like a mini panic attack and I'm like, what, like, what can we, can we get a literal translation <laughs> of what was just said? Like what, I need an audio recording. What was happening? Like now, you know, I'm ready to deep dive. And he goes, hey, I'll be all right. You'll, you can handle it. And that was it. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, it was wild. So now we get back to the house finally. And I get back upstairs to all, like, we're all, like, it's a big open room and everyone has, like, a little mattress sleeping bag situation, right? And so, of course, what do we do? I I meet up with all the women because now the, the, the CE5 has concluded and everybody is now converging back to the house. And so, of course, they were like, what happened to you? Where'd you go? And I was like, oh, we could last you. And this, you know, so we were comparing stories. Like, well, what did you guys see? What do you guys see? And um, I th- I, I'm i okay saying I, I had the much better experience. But because they're like, we saw uh, lights in the sky. And I was like, yeah, man. But, but did you meet the grandfathers um, <laughs> at the rock altar? Like, you know, just like, okay, good for you. Good for you guys. And the girls and I, there's like a couple of us um, that were just like, we are so buzzed on the day and everything that has happened. We're just like, most people are just exhausted and want to go to sleep. But there's um, like three, three of us that are just like, no way, man. We're like, we're just buzzing with energy. So we're like, let's ask Carlos if he will build us a bonfire next to the teepees in the forest. And we're like, yeah. So we go out to Carlos. Can you build us a fire outside? He's like, yeah, come on. Right. It's like every day for them. He's like, sure. So we stayed out down in the forest clearing next to the teepees, sitting around the fire talking. Um, and it was beautiful. And now it's like 2.30 in the morning and we're like, we got to go to bed. And Carlos says, okay, so don't, don't walk up back to the house. Cause it's like, you have to kind of hike up back to the house. He says, don't, don't hike, just jump in the truck and then I'll drive you guys, you know, around the road and, and drop you off. And so we said, okay, now the way that clearing works. 
So like I said, it's almost like picture two squares, like the top half of, you know, of a quadrant, right? And then one square to the left has is cleared and that's where the anipi is and the teepees and the, the fire pit. And then there's this line of tall, what I'm calling the foliage, right? In another that seals, that kind of encloses the other quadrant. And the reason why that center is so tall is because there's a creek. So there's, so what I'm realizing is, cause I'm just seeing like these tall trees, but what I'm realizing, well, they're tall because they run along a creek. And so this big mm -hmm. property is, is kind of, uh, it's cut going, moving right through it are these tall trees because there's a little creek there. And so as you would find in something like that, um, you don't want people just running into the bushes and falling into the creek. So there's like a little one foot um, fencing along what looks like shrubs, but right on the other side of the shrubs is this, you know, trench with this creek running through it. And there's a little bridge where you can cross over to the other side. That's where I thought the, the big animal was, which now I'm thinking was a uh, Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. And you have, probably you have to walk over a little bridge. There's this huge tree that's hollowed out because it was struck by lightning. Ding, ding, ding. Um, and hmm. so creek with water right at it is a huge hollowed out tree trunk um, that is split into and there's a little bridge that crosses you over. So we are now in Carlos's truck. So picture Carlos is driving. I'm sitting in the middle. Um, Joan Bird is to my right. And then Stephanie is behind me asleep in the back seat. And he, Carlos does the thing where he turns on the headlights, like he snaps on the headlights, throws the car, the truck in reverse and does the thing where he puts his arm, you know, you put your arm behind the, the person to your right. And then you got the steering wheel and you're doing, you're looking back mm -hmm. to do like a three point turn. So he's looking back to do that. And while he does that, the headlights cast along that Creek where that fencing is. And I'm probably, through, I don't know, 50 yards away or something maybe. And walking along the creek is a little humanoid man-ish. I don't know what it is. And I go, hmm. oh my God, what's that? <laughs> right? Because I don't know what it is. <laughs> go, oh my God, what is that? And I'm, I'm pointing, I'm pointing, and, and Joan is going, where, what? And what, what has happened is, as Carlos is backing up and the headlights are casting along that Creek, um, that little being was in the headlight and it was walking toward the hollowed out tree trunk. And it did the thing where it saw the headlights. And so it turned to its left to look at where the headlights were and it saw the lights and it like speeded up its walk in a, in a weirdly, almost kind of a natural way. It like speeded up its walk to get out of the light. 
But when mm -hmm. it turned its head to look at the light, it was looking at me because I could see it face to face. It just couldn't <laughs> see me, right? Because it just sees headlights. But it gave me like a perfect mm -hmm. light right to him. I'm saying him because I believe it was male. Um, but who the heck knows? It was no higher than that fence post. So that was the reference. So that fence post was maybe a foot and a half. Mm -hmm. So it couldn't have been more than a foot and a half tall. Um, and he looked like what we would consider the stature and the body type to be a gnome, except his arms mm -hmm. were much longer and gangly and much like a Brian Frode, um, like where the body, the skin was not, the skin was more like a bark, like a greenish brown bark, mm -hmm. um, like a tree bark than it was skin. If I, you know, um, and its fingers were long mm -hmm. and pointed like what you see in the old little fairy lore. Right. And so that, so the gate, mm -hmm. the gate was kind of more like this, you know, like, a um, almost like a waddle a little bit like a hunched over waddle mm -hmm. and he had a very old gnarled face with a, like a wide nose and just like this old gnarled face. Um, and my mind exploded because then like, how do you, yeah. how do you go to sleep after that? I sat, I went back to, you know, this, this is where I'm super jealous of you, Barbara, because I went back to my, I went back to my little mattress and I busted out my notebook and I was like, write it all down. Cause you are going to explain this away. Cause this is crazy. I wrote it all down mm -hmm. and then I proceeded to try to draw him and it was, I can't draw. It was mm. so wrong. And I was like, stop. And I, froze my, that image in my mind. And I was like, because if you try to put this on paper, your mind is going to split between what he actually looks like and what you drew. Right. Because what I was drawing was not him. And I can't draw like that. I'm not, I can, you know, and so all I have is the image in my, in my head. Wow. I love that story. Yeah. I just love that story. And then, the, and then the next day, I told, I told Stephanie, and Stephanie was like, "Maybe that's what was in the Anipi with us." Mm -hmm. And so the, the next morning, next morning I did two things. First of all, I went to James, and I'm like, "WTF, James." I told you, you can't do that. Like, I just saw something very weird. And he said, he said something that struck me interesting. He goes, huh, you saw one just like that. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, do you, what, like you, you know what that is? And he goes, oh yeah, we all know what that is. He goes, we all know what that is here. <laughs> and he goes, I'm just surprised you saw it. Like, oh, like, uh, like how, how do you see it? Um, and he said, well, so now that, now that you saw it, I, 
I have to tell you what it is and, and what to do. In other words, like the protocol. And he was like, come outside. We went outside and he's like, this is what it is. Say it, repeat after me. And I said it and he goes, okay, now you said it, you know what it is. Don't ever say that name mm -hmm. again out loud. Because now that you've seen it, if you say it, you will call them to you. And he goes, they will get in your house and they will F up your S. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he goes, mm -hmm. they won't leave you alone. They'll come into your house. They like, in other words, you're inviting them in. And once you invite them in, very hard to get rid of them and you can't get rid of them. And they, you know, you're going to be in big trouble. Um, so don't ever call to them, but that's, that's what it is. Uh, the other thing after that was that Stephanie and I went out to where I saw it and went out in the grass, right? It was kind of like dewy grass in the morning and we left a little offering out there and I left my little caramel, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, on that, on that tree for them, um, so I left it in, you know, I was like, I was like, okay, next thing, James, you need to take me to the liquor store. I need to buy some like Rolos or something. <laughs> that was all I could find because they didn't have the Werther's caramels. So I left some candy out for them. Um, and then interestingly, right in that same area on the grass, on the dewy grass was, um, have you seen a hummingbird hawk moth? Yes, those are wonderful. I've never, I had never seen one before, but there was one in the grass and it had, it was like a, a newly, I think it was maybe a new one, but the funny thing was, and I haven't really seen one like this. It had a, a bright blue dot right in the top of its forehead. Okay. That is like different. a vivid, like a peacock, like a peacock blue dot right on the top of his head. And he looked like his wings were wet and because the morning was due, you know, it was dewy. And so I, I put my hand down and he climbed up onto my hand and then he like climbed up my arm and climbed on my shoulder mm -hmm. and stayed there for the rest of the day. Like I literally like sat through lectures and stuff like that and went in the house and, and he just hung out on my shoulder. And then finally I needed to get on the car, you know, I need to go to the airport. So I was like, honey, you can't come with me. And so I took him out to, you know, to the wildflowers and mm -hmm. just said, okay, we got to go. But that was, that was also an interesting little thing. Yeah. Moth I don't know. Moths are, know. are, are very, very symbolic and, and full of oomph. I think of them as. Yeah. And they, they symbolize the soul and sometimes they symbolize the souls of the dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had never seen a hummingbird hawk moth, right? Yeah. Um, now where I live, where I live now, you know, I'll, I'll see one in the garden every now and then, but where I was living, I had not seen them. And so it was very, strange to me and they they just pop up at the weirdest times mm -hmm. moths do that yeah moths do so yeah there, there's some there's something to it there's something to it i have no idea what that is <laughs> that's all i can say yeah yeah so 
it, all of this adventure is just amazing. Um, and I, I understand when, when you say you don't, you had to fix the image of the little person in your head without trying to draw it. Um, because I don't always see my creatures as physical. They generally, I see them as beings made out of light, so they're kind of phasing into and out of solidity. This does not make them easy for me to draw. Yeah. Um, but, but what I have been able to do is I can draw what other people have seen sometimes. Um, I know you've heard us probably, Morgana and I talk about Thing on the Stairs, who lives at this house and who seemed to have been in this house before we moved in, although the people we bought the house from said that they never felt anything there. Um, and, and Thing on the Stairs mm -hmm. is there to this day, although Thing does move through the house more often than it used to. It's much more comfortable with, you know, just going wherever we, we are congregating. And I drew an image of what thing on the stairs looked like. But it, it never looked like that to hmm. me. It looked like that to um, a friend of mine and to Morgana. I have never seen him in a physical shape. I've only seen him as this gray shimmering sort of humanoid shaped creature who just sort of slinks down the stairs very very quietly and and generally unassumingly and then crouches down on the steps like a little you know smeagol and listens mm -hmm. and listens to stories um sometimes he listens to stories on the television he likes the x-files i mean whatever um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he will come in when I'm recording. Sometimes I'll see a shimmer behind me or Morgana will catch it on the video and say, Hey mom, I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Um, but that picture that I drew of him, you know, Morgana was like, Oh, you finally saw him. And I'm like, no, no, I did not. I still only see him as this shimmer. Um, although a few, a few months ago, he, he changed shape and got all active. I don't know. Maybe something was messing with the house, but he was on the top of the stairs and, and he had made himself big and uh, very mm. imposing looking. And he came hovering down the steps and, and wouldn't let me go past him, wouldn't let me go up the stairs to see what was going on. And I, I was like, okay. Oh. I was like, is is Fox safe? And and I got the feeling that yeah, Fox is safe. Fox is sound asleep. Nothing's gonna bother him. Um, I think if if Fox wasn't safe, I would have been allowed up the stairs. But he didn't want me to mess with whatever it was. So I was like, okay, I'll trust you. You've been here longer than me. All right, you do your thing, sir. But it's funny. He he usually is much smaller. But that time he was, he was big. I don't know why. What did, have you posted that drawing? I want to see that drawing. It's on my Instagram. So I can send you a link to the, to the picture. Okay. He, he just, he's, 
he's a little pointed round head pointed limbs um kind of kind of sprangly that's what i call it sprangly's he's got long long bits of finger and and elbows sharp elbows and sharp knees pointy feet huh yeah it sounds a little like that guy i had something um no i guess that's that's different um i had something very strange at another contact in the desert it was the last year that contact in the desert was at um in joshua tree mm -hmm. and i was staying in a hotel do we have time for one more little oh, story yeah. yeah i'll tell you one Surely. more little story about an another little another little creature oh this one creeped me out okay so when you're at contact in the desert obviously big conference tons of stuff going on and so what i do is i get to this is when it was in joshua tree in the actual desert so i would get to my hotel drop my stuff in the room check in drop my stuff and then get over to the conference and then you're you're there at the conference all day because then there's also lectures all day and then there's sky watches at night and there's always something and a million friends and and all that good stuff yeah so i'm having a great time so when i get home at well after midnight well after midnight i do the thing that i forget to do the thing that i usually do when i go into a hotel room which is to clear the space <laughs> I did not clear the space and I was in, in the middle of the desert <laughs> at a UFO conference. So this is all, this is all a mix for a bad idea. So what ends up happening is that five o'clock in the morning, I am sleeping. I'm by myself in my hotel room. I'm sleeping on my back. And you know, when you're married and you, fall asleep in a big double bed or a king bed, you kind of stick, like you find yourself, you're still on your side of the bed, yeah. <laughs> which is that weird yeah. thing. You, I should just hog up the whole bed, but you know, I've been married for so long that I just like, I, I'm still on my side of the bed. So I'm on my side of the bed and I'm sleeping on my back. And I, it's funny, this is hard to explain. I'll just say my, my astral body woke up before my physical body. So mm -hmm. it's almost like my mind splits in two and my astral body says, wake up, wake up. And it's, it's like, you know, looking around the room. And so I'm slowly, my physical body is starting to rouse because my astral body is looking up at the headboard and on the headboard is this creature that has his feet like are clawed and he has these big long feet and so they're clawed along the edges of the headboard mm -hmm. and he's up over on my left side on the headboard and he's like hunched over and he's kind of like very gnarled kind of like the little cre the creature in the painting the the nightmare mm -hmm. okay uh, so like a like a a, a thunky little being like a chunky little yeah uh, hairy beastie thing yeah <laughs> is hunched over and he's perched like literally perched on the headboard and he's watching me sleep and so my astral body's like cinda wake up right now there's this thing right and as i'm rousing awake my mind says 
Well, that's just a dream because my headboard is very thin and his long feet wouldn't fit over, wouldn't perch on my headboard. He would fall off because it's too thin, right? Mm -hmm. And then my astral Lucinda says, you're not in your own bed. And I'm like, oh crap. (laughs) So I start to... I start to wake, try to wake myself up. Like I try to wake myself up and my astral body sits up in bed and like turns to the left. And this little funky guy goes, he's going like, he's making a sound Mm -hmm. and he jumps on the bed. Like he hot, he from his perch. And of course, the hotel headboard has a long, perfect uh, headboard that his big claws can't perch onto because that's what he has actually been doing. And so he hops onto the bed and here's the weird thing, Barbara. I can physically hear and feel his steps Mm. with my physical body, even though my physical body is still laying down trying to wake up and my astral body is sitting up watching him and he, He's looking at me and he's still in that weird little hunch position and he's going rah, 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 like like he's he's like grumbling like he's mad at me or something <laughs> and I can feel his feet like like a heel to toe slap like a kerthunk like mm-hmm. the steps go kerthunk right mm-hmm. um like the bed so one step two step three step and then I hear on the floor and then Kerthunk, kerthunk, and I'm watching him in my astral body um, jump off the bed, you know, hop, step off, like jump down off my bed, and then he turns across the little kitchen, and the door of the hotel, you know, my my room door is um, like you would walk in and you would see a little kitchenette thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's in front of the kitchenette, and I'm expecting him to walk out the door, but he pops out like is almost like the little portal was like four feet before the door. So I'm expecting him to walk all the way out the door, but he turned and he walked out and like, I can almost see the portal because he just went pop and he like popped out of existence. And then like my physical body was able to like, to, to actually like wake up. Oh, Maybe my astral body moved into my physical body and I was able to, I think that's what it was. I don't think it was like a paralysis. I just think because my astral body was sitting up, my physical body, like my head and everything, like I couldn't really move it. So yeah. when I finally like moved back into my body, then I could move around and I was just like, what was that? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a big, what was that? <laughs> Oh man. And the the fact that it was like another it was another creature that was kind of old and gnarled. Um but it wasn't trying to scare me. It was just watching me sleep and then when I noticed it it was just like, "Oh, I guess I got to leave now." Like that's that was the like it it was muttering <laughs> something like like it was grouchy like mad at me like oh my god what do you make such a big deal i'm just over here doing this thing like that's yeah that was the vibe i got i'm not hurting you lady i don't know why you (laughs) yeah 
And I was, I was just, and I also had, um, all these symbols in my head and I, so I, I woke up that I jotted them down and then of course it's contact in the desert. So now I go to the, the lecture and I'm in the sitting in my little folding chair and there's a girl next to me, this lady next to me who's doing like henna tattoos. And I was like, Hey, does this symbol mean anything to you? She's like, no, but they're pretty. And she starts hennaing them on my arms. And so <laughs> that was, that's, that's contact in the desert for you. Do you still have the, the yeah. symbol? You should, you should send that too. So I can see them. Cause I, I might recognize them. I'll send them you to never you. know. Yeah. They're yeah. on there. I just found them. Cause I, I wanted to show them to someone else over the, the, this past weekend at a zero meeting and I found them on, on my Instagram. So they're there if you scroll all the way. Okay. I'll check. I'll, I'll have to, I'll follow you. Are you Barbara Fisher eight, nine, seven, two? Yeah, I believe that's it. I believe that's it. And I also have followed one by that's... strange familiars. Yeah, that's it. I'm also, I oh, also have six DJK something, oh, or maybe right. it's just six DJK. Okay. I need to find, I need to find these, these pictures of your little, yeah, I need you or I need Tim Renner or somebody to try to draw these, these, these little creatures that I keep in, you know, encountering. That would be great. I'll, I'll give it a shot. You know, I, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Cause I have to do art for this episode anyway. Right. So we'll see what happens. Oh yeah. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, I love drawing other people's creatures, so that's that'll be fun. Oh God, well, well, I I need you in my life because <laughs> I see a lot of creatures. Well, yeah, and I I love sort of you know kind of channeling what they look like from people. If I don't have a great description, sometimes I can just you know pull it into reality by looking at it in my head. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And yes, so, there's lots of kitty pictures knows? on there. Yeah, there has to be. You know, of kitten course. age does not last forever. It goes by very nope. fast. Nope. And and one day he's going to he's going to be uh Is it King? Is King his yes. name? Yes. Oh, King Clawthorn, which is from the uh Disney channels uh, yeah it's from the show the owl house on the disney channel which is a, a great show lots of creatures lots of magic lots of really oh, funny stuff i'm moving i'm moving just to charge my computer really quick that's okay. aside well my kids are now my youngest is 10 and so now i'm i'm not watching anything disney channel isn't happening that much anymore yeah yeah still a good show i think you'd enjoy it if you get if you There's get around these... to it if disney okay. ever allows anybody else to look at it which they probably won't because it's disney but you know well thank you yeah. for coming back and yeah. and telling the stories again i think you actually told them better this time i think you did oh good see that's that's so, why the that's why the spirits were like this first show is crap <laughs> it wasn't crap it's just but there was weird interference i remember watching your video and and it would just go spastic and 
other faces besides yours would like sort of appear in there. And I was just like, am I hallucinating? What's happening? Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest now. Uh, I'll be honest now not to freak you out, but um, there has been... Um, so I'm in a soul winter. That's what I call that's what I call what's happening. So every mm -hmm. once in a while I go through what I call a soul winter and that means that things start to go dark in terms of not in a bad way, not dark in a bad way, but like dark in that like I won't book a lot of readings. I won't get a lot of like healing stuff and that that's my symbol for that means I need the healing. And so right. what that means is that something's going to come visit me. Um, okay. Like a new teacher is going to present, a new teacher will present itself. And so I talked about this on, um, on Tim's other podcast, uh, the flowered path. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's are, if anyone's a patron, they can listen to what's been going on with me lately. Uh, it has to do with an angel and angels have always kind of freaked me out. Uh, but an angel and a saint, uh, nice. and, and a woman figure who I'm assuming is like a Virgin Mary, -ish, not Virgin Mary ish something is, has been presenting itself and, and has been, um, I've just been working with these new, this new kind of trio of teachers. Nice. And so it's, it's so Barbara, it's that thing of like, in the world of ufology, people don't want to talk about religion. Religion is a very trigger thing. And I hate talking about religion because I don't want people to think that I'm judging in any kind of way. But the truth is, is that it's a saint and it's an angel. And it's something that's like the Virgin Mary, if not the Virgin Mary. And I can't say no to it. If a teacher presents itself, I have to make myself available to the teacher. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. That's all I, I get. I know. Hey, I'm I'm so, I'm a I'm a pagan so. witch, and and I've had experiences with the 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 Virgin Mother, so I can't. Yeah, I I'm not gonna like you know say no. Let's, let's just put it that way. That's that's um, not I, yeah. If it presents itself, listen, we have to just uh, we honor the divine. Yes. Period. In whatever form it it presents itself, you know, so long as it's not you yes. know blowing up things <laughs> although even then right uh, well it's you can really tell good to talk very with you. Cool. you can yeah go ahead yeah that's well, good to talk to you too no i was just gonna say you can tell really quickly what's a good energy and what's not a good energy so yes yes and i'm pretty good at showing the not good energies the door and it's like okay yeah the dicey came to see me and then go thank you bye yeah. Thank you, drive yeah, through, please. As, as Morgana That's right. Says, Thank you, drive through, please. All right. Well, you got to come back because <laughs> you've got all sorts of things that we could talk about. But I also don't want to keep you for like three hours and, you know, take up your whole afternoon and all of that. And my afternoon is, is turning into evening. So I have to think about cooking for the family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Aww. I got to figure out what I'm doing Aww. about that. Cook for me one day. 
Okay, well, you're all the way over in LA. So, you know, either I'll have to come out there or we'll have to meet in the middle or something. Okay, done. You, I'll cook right. for you, you cook for me. All right. Okay, Barbara, I love I love your mug, by the way. No one can oh, see it you. on the audio, but Barbara has yeah. the coolest mugs, if anyone's curious. <laughs> All Maybe right, I should dear. take a picture of them. All right, you have a yeah, wonderful evening. Them. Or actually, uh, afternoon. Have a wonderful afternoon. Afternoon. I got to go pick up kids from school. All right, have <laughs> fun. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.